Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I believe that God, He doesn't just do things to do them. There is a purpose. He is too sovereign for that. He's too sovereign for that. To the point where you guys know that we're in a series called Jesus is Greater. And we took a break for that series. And we, we, we dove into this kind of a micro series called Health as Well. And Amy spoke about um, spiritual health, physical health. And Keisha came last week. And she spoke about mental health over the course of two days. And, and um, we're actually, I created a page on our website. And it's a mental health seminar and we are going to have that available to share. It's a free seminar, and anyone can go watch it. And so once I get it launched, I would definitely encourage you to share the goodie out of it because it is a free resource for our community. People might not have come here, but, man, they can go to our website and watch a mental health seminar dealing with anxiety and depression and how we respond. And with all that said, we did those three things, and you guys know that I am beautifully long-winded and I haven't preached for four weeks and we're in week nine of a series and I'm only in chapter five of the book of Hebrews but the sovereignty of God has led me to a point where we're talking about spiritual maturity after we talk about spiritual health physical health and mental health and I'm like, I, I couldn't have planned that. Like, if you guys are ever in on our sermon series planning, they're like, so how long is this series going to last? I'm like, I don't know, five to 50 weeks? I mean, like, so we're, we are picking up in Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to wrap up that chapter, and then we're going to go straight into Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 12, because um, the author of Hebrews, when he wrote the book, there was no chapter and verses, just FYI. Someone decided to put chapter and verses down the road. Just the, those, you know, the author wasn't writing little numbers as he was writing these letters. Just, um, but they, they broke this topic into two chapters, but it's one cohesive, it's one cohesive idea. And we're going to be looking at that today. So starting in verse 11 of chapter 5, I, I want, I'm, I'm going to get there. I want to say this. I love you guys. I love you. This is going to be a heavy message right out the gate. I want, I want you to understand that. Because I love you, I have to talk about it. Because I love you, I can't skirt around it. There's the author of Hebrews, he loved the Hebrew church enough to write it. God inspired him to write it. The Holy Spirit loved us enough to tell us this. And so as we read this, no, I love you. It is a heavy message, though. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't listen. I didn't say it. Jesus did. No, no but... I told you, I love you guys. Let's keep going. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Let's keep going. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Stop right there. I want us to see this. 
Say with me, through training. Say with me, skill to recognize. Through training. Have the skill to recognize. Can someone else train for you? I cannot send Pastor Nathan to the gym for me. If I could do that, I would never go to the gym. You do not train by proxy. You can't. You have to train yourself. Believe me, the, tem- the, the lazy bone in my body is way too big. If, if there was an option for me to train by proxy, I would just have people lined up every day, different people, so that I didn't wear them out. They could go to the gym for me. That doesn't work, though. I have to train to get results. He's telling us, solid food is is for those who are mature, who through training. It doesn't come naturally to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Why? Because we have a sinful nature that's at work. So we have to train ourselves to see the difference through the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into that. Let's keep going. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. He's not saying we don't talk about those things. What he's saying is we should talk about more than just those things. That should not be the sole proprietary thing that the church talks about, especially when it comes to spiritual maturity. We have got to get past just talking about the basics of Christianity if you want to grow. And that's what he's getting at. Let's keep going. You don't need further instruction about baptism and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The author is saying, hey, this is common knowledge. You, you, th- this should be fundamentals, just like learning to dribble a basketball in basketball. Dribbling is a fundamental. Like, like my, when, I, when I started playing college, my coach didn't say, I'm going to make sure you guys, I'm going to teach you how to dribble. No, he assumed I knew how to dribble. He assumed I already knew how to shoot a layup because it was so fundamental. And that's what he's saying. Like, I sh- he's saying I should be able to come there and start a, a deep conversation with you about Christ and not have to backtrack and say, hey, let me educate you on all this stuff you should already know. Especially in the church. If you are born again, now there is a point in our walk with God when we first become baptized where we need discipleship. So we're going to talk about that. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Mm. I know. I love you guys. This is, this is hard, though. Once we've tasted and we've been born again and we turn our walk, our, our turn our, our, we turn our heart against God, I think the reason why the author is saying it's impossible to bring that person back is because they've already had a new nature put in them by the Holy Spirit and they said no more. You don't get better than Jesus and they're choosing something lesser and injecting it into themselves. And so, and who turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such a purple back to repentance. Let's keep going. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it is God's blessing. 
But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. You, you see that? There are things past repentance and salvation and forgiveness that God has for you. Jesus says in John 10, I've come to give life and give it to the full. There's, there's a whole, there's so much more to this relationship with Jesus. Dear friends, or for God is not unjust. Where are we at? For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers and still do. Let's keep going. Our great desire is that you will keep loving others as long as life lasts. Let's say it together. Keep loving others as long as life lasts. Let's, let's do it one more time. That was a little weak. Keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that, you, that what you hope for will come true. Get this, get this, this next verse. Keep going. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Whew. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So today, we are talking about spiritual maturity. And since I haven't spoken in four weeks, I have ten points. We're going to get out of here at 4.30. So just, I hope you brought a lunch. I'm joking. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through these. I have four thoughts for you today. Um, the first thought I want us to look at is we must take responsibility for our spiritual maturity. It can't rely on the pulpit. It can't rely on others. We all need to be discipled. Don't get me wrong. We all need people in our lives who we give permission to to speak into us the things of God. They need to be godly people. We need that in our lives. I once heard it said every person needs a Paul in their life to speak into them. Every person needs a peer in their life like David and Jonathan in the Old Testament that can that can call them out on their crap, quite frankly. And we all need a person, a Timothy in our life that we are discipling. We need to be in the chain of discipleship. We need to be being poured into. We need accountability. And we need to be discipling someone. We need discipleship. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you can't rely on whoever's discipling you to determine your spiritual maturity. You can't. Did you know that we get to determine how fast we mature in Christ? We get to determine it. And also, did you know that there's not a point in our life that we arrive? We're like, well, <laughs> I'm mature in Christ. That will never happen this side of heaven. Even in heaven, we won't. Like, it's a lifelong, eternal thing that the Holy Spirit is consistently making us like Jesus. He's always bringing maturity to us. And I'm going to give you a few things real quick. Here are some quick, easy things that attribute to spiritual maturity, okay? These are tools to help you with maturity, but they do not bring maturity. I want, you, I, I, I want to explain it. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. That is a tool. It's the Word of God. It's, it's Jesus in book form. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. If you want to mature, read the Bible. It's a tool. We have Christians that read every other type of book but the Bible. I have pastor friends that will read four books a month, but they won't get through an epistle in a month which is like four chapters long. We need to read the Bible. We need to consume the Bible. It's a tool. We need to pray. And when we get done praying, we need to stop and pray some more. And when we get done praying with that, we need to stop and pray some more again. We need to pray, then pray some more. 
And I, I shared this before, but the, the, there was a Gallup poll that came out in 2021, and it said the average Christian prays less than 60 seconds a day. And we wonder why there's no power. We wonder why sin is running so rampant even in the church. We don't pray. The average pastor prays less than 90 seconds a day. This is a tool. Why would we not want to pray and have conversation with the person who loves us the most and knows us entirely and yet still chooses to love us? Did you know God knows you entirely and he still chooses you? We need to pray. We need to meditate on the things of God. The Bible says, fix your thoughts, not on this world, but on things above. We need to fix our thoughts on godly things. We need to fix our thoughts on heaven. We, we can't just be looking. We walk by faith, not by sight. We can't be looking at this world and say, this is, this is the best it gets. No, no, no. For the Christian, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. For the, for the non-believer, this is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. This world is not our home. we got to fix our thoughts. we got to meditate on the things of God. I'm not, sitting, I'm not saying that you sit there and meditate and hum. No, that's, that's actually centering on yourself. I'm saying you get alone and you fixate on who he is and you, and you, and you stop. Jesus says in, in Psalms 46.10, it's um, actually the psalmist, but he says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still yourself. You have so many thoughts going on in your head all the time. Still yourself and fix your mind on heaven and on Jesus and, and his promises. All of his promises are for you. They're fulfilled in Christ. And another tool is be plugged into a local body of believers. Be plugged in. Interject yourself. Be, get friends with Christians that can be that Jonathan to you. We got to be plugged in we got to get past just Sunday church. That's like This is not church. You're the church. This is a gathering for us to celebrate Jesus, get fired up, and go win the lost. But we got to be plugged into the life of the church. So those are tools. What you do with them is up to you. Just because you can quote... Then, and this is why I say that they don't actually make you mature in Christ because there are people that can quote the Bible backwards and forwards and they're still mean as rattlesnakes. There are people that pray more than all of us. And man, they'll cuss you out. These are tools. You know, Satan knows the Bible better than any person. He goes to church more than any person. And he talks to God probably more than any person. And he's not mature in Christ. These are tools. Use them. So how, how is spiritual maturity determined? It's determined by many factors. But one is, are we learning the lessons that he's teaching us in any given season? Are we learning the lessons that the Holy Spirit is teaching us in any given season? He's always trying to teach us lessons. Have you guys ever been stuck? You felt like you've been stuck in a loop with your walk with God? You feel like you keep going through the same cycle, same cycle, same cycle, same cycle, and you finally, this is what normally happens. We either resign to, this is how a walk with God looks. I just get stuck in the cycle, in the highs and lows. Don't get me wrong, there's, there's highs and lows in our walk, but we're supposed to get out of these cycles or, or we either resign to it or we get frustrated by it. And when we get frustrated by it, that's really good, actually, because then it will start making you ask the right questions. For instance, when you get stuck in these cycles that stunt your maturity, we need to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me? Because he won't let you get out of that cycle until you learn the lesson. And he won't let you mature past that until you learn the lesson. You guys know this. Amy is a health coach. She's a macro and nutrition coach. And I, I try to do it for like 
two months, and she just gave up on me. <laughs> She's like, no, there's no hope. I like cookies way too much, man. I, the, the whole reason I go to the gym, I love working out, is because I love, 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 love ice cream. And so, but I get to hear these conversations. I, I don't get to hear the personal details or anything like that, but like sometimes I get to hear conversations or Amy will vent to me because the thing is she wants to help her clients. She wants to help her clients live their best life, live their most healthy life. But she has some clients that they're stuck in a loop and they won't listen to their coach. And so if they can't get out of this loop unless they listen to what their coach is telling them. So they get stuck in the same cycles over and over. And if they just listen to the basics, because like, like there's so much more to her coaching than just the basic nutrition, but they don't want to get the basic nutrition down. And if you don't get the basics down, you're, you will be stuck in this loop. And, and, and the same is true with our walk with God. And, and the author of Hebrews here is telling them, you are stuck in the loop. You're stuck in the loop. Like, who doesn't want to just focus on forgiveness and salvation? Man, amazing. Like, oh, I'm so glad I'm forgiven. I'm so glad I'm saved and born again and I have a new life in Christ. I'm so glad. But if we get stuck there, we will miss out on so much more that God has for us. That's just the beginning. It's like being stuck on the first floor in an elevator that, in a building that goes up to infinite. God has so much more for you. The good stuff is what we like to get stuck on, but over time, it will hurt you. It will hurt you. Amy made like three dozen cookies last night, and they're good. That's like the salvation. That's like the gospel. And I ate a dozen of them. Like, I'm not going to lie. I told Ames last week, I said, I'm going to try to lose like 15 pounds by Thanksgiving. And she's like, I'm going to sabotage you. Um. But if we get stuck at that, there's so, there's so many other things that nourish us in our walk with God so much more. And, and, and then, then, then we lose sight of, of the, the bigger and the more disciplined things of the Lord. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, 23 through 26, he said to the crowd, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. That spiritual maturity. Saying, you know, I want this God. I want another cookie. But I have to give up my own way. Like, I want to focus right here, God. But I got to give up my own way. You got to give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. That carries weight because Jesus was talking to a culture that's, that the Romans were lying roads for hundreds of miles with people crucified. And they would see day in and day out people crucified. So when Jesus says, take up your cross, he's not just saying, oh, I'm going to wear a cross necklace or, oh, this is my cross to bear. No, he's being real. You have to be willing to pick up your cross daily and die to yourself and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you get stuck in those loops... But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. That's spiritual maturity. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to move past the basics and I'm going to press in to God. We get stuck in infancy because we think it's someone else's job to mature us. Maybe at the very beginning of our salvation, we need a little extra care just like an infant does. But you know about a year and a half into my kid's life, they started feeding themselves. I got the food for them. God has the food for them, but you know what? They quit eating baby food. They started eating. I remember one time I made 
um, oh, what is that? Uh, really expensive steaks. Remember? Filet mignon. We, like, Pastor preached, this guy in our old church, he had like 600 head of cattle and he butchered a cow and he gave us like these choice cuts as Pastor Pre- It was awesome. So I was like, I made these filet mignon. First time I ever like pan seared a steak and butter. I'm pretty sure it took about 20 or to 30 minutes off of my life, but it was so good. It was so good. And then Sky, that was the first time she ever had steak. And I got to eat my whole one because I ate it so fast. But Amy was being mom and she's like, You want to try my steak? And Sky's like, Ah, and she like ended up eating like two thirds of Amy's steak. And I've never been able to make a steak that good ever again. And so I'm sorry, Ames, but my daughter started eating solid food early on because she was maturing. There comes a time in our walk with God where we have to pick up our own Bible and read it for ourselves. There comes a time in our walk with God where we have to decide, I'm not just going to let other people pray over my needs. I'm going to pray over my needs myself. I'm not saying don't let people pray over you. I'm saying you pray over you and let other people pray over you. Do both. Our willingness to submit to God and learn from him determines our rate of spiritual maturity. If you're not willing to submit, if he's convicting you of something, you're not willing to repent, you will stunt your growth. We don't have the luxury anymore of pawning off the work of God on the pulpit or other believers. Spiritual maturity says this is my responsibility too. It's time for us to mature and take responsibility for our own spiritual maturity and see God do impossible things through you and me. The second thing I want to talk to you today about, I'm going to get through this really fast. Spiritual maturity renders discernment. He says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training and have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. When we get on the solid food of our faith past the infancy, several things start happening. For one, sanctification. Sanctification is the act of God through which the Holy Spirit makes us like Jesus over the course of our life. He's consistently making us like Jesus. I once heard it said, it's not the fact that you'll ever be sinless, is the fact that you sin less and less over time as the Holy Spirit makes you like Jesus. And for the life of me, if we are yielding to the Holy Spirit and letting him sanctify us and submitting to him, we should all start looking like Jesus. The problem is we have Christians that don't look like the Jesus of the Bible. So maybe we're not letting the Holy Spirit sanctify us. We should all start coming into agreement the more we let the Holy Spirit sanctify us because we start praying like Jesus. We start thinking like Jesus. We start worshiping like Jesus because the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. We start loving other people like Jesus. We should all start looking alike as he sanctifies us because he's not sanctifying me to be more like me. He's sanctifying me and you to be more like him. I love you guys. Have I told you that? I love you so much. I'm about to say some stuff that I've been praying for boldness to say all week. I've asked my friends to pray for boldness with me. Wednesday night I asked them to pray for boldness with me. I'm saying it because I have a conviction in my heart that I must. I'm also saying it because I love God and I love you. So when that spirit, that's how I'm speaking. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and I'm trying to be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. God loves you. But it saddens my heart, and I'm not saying that this is every church but I'm saying over the course of the Big C Church, it saddens my heart 
to see a lack of maturity and discernment in the church. To have pastors get up week in and week out and encourage people, but not and, and, and share truth, but truth does 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 that doesn't make change or does it address things when we see them? The Lord put the church on earth to battle the culture of the enemy and the kingdom of the enemy. And the kingdom of the enemy is raising his head up like never before in our nation. Maybe we do discern. If you do discern and you say nothing, then it's cowardice. And the Holy Spirit is given to you to have boldness. The Bible says we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We're not. We're an occupying army that goes to war against rulers and principalities and evil darkness in this world. That's what we do. We don't go war against people. We, the church, must now more than ever have a discerning heart. We have a moment upon us this week that we need to do spiritual warfare for. We need to do spiritual warfare for. Because what is happening in our nation is demonic. I'm not going to make a political statement. I'm going to make a spiritual statement. When we, when we have leaders running for office that support full-term abortions, that's demonic. Who want to indoctrinate our children in their innocence with things that are wrong, that's demonic. Who want to mutilate kids who are confused, that's demonic. Who spew out lies more than truth, that's demonic. Who's the father of lies? And it's not just one party or another. It's both parties. We need to vote as a church the demonic out of both parties. we got to pray for the leaders out of both parties. Because they're not our enemies. Satan's our enemy and he's raising his head up. And we got to stand as the church and spiritual maturity renders discernment. And you're saying, I don't see that. I would tell you to go read the Gospels until you see Jesus and he changes your mind. Stare at Jesus until your heart becomes one with his heart. Because it is demonic what's happening in our nation. And we got to discern. We, the days of patty cake Christianity are over in the church. We've got to stand and go to war. We've got to be serious about sharing our faith. They say, I don't really watch the news all that often, but I, I've picked up a thing here too. They say there's a red wave coming Tuesday, and I don't want anyone to applaud that. Because honestly, all that's going to do is give us a new set of problems with different colors. The red wave that needs to sweep this nation is the blood of Jesus. And we got to get serious about the gospel of Jesus. We, the church, must discern. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm saying until we get serious about the gospel, we will just have new problems with the different, under a different color. I love this country, I love freedom, and I love having freedom to preach the gospel. And because I love the author of freedom, I had to say this. We've got to discern. Spiritual maturity renders discernment. And you've got to be able to see what's happening behind what's happening. You've got to. And how do you do that? You spend time with the author. You spend time with Jesus and let him cultivate your heart to where you can see, okay, that person's not my enemy, but what they're standing for is demonic. That's the spirit of the Antichrist right there and is raising its head. And we are the church of the living God. We have full authority through Christ and his, his cross and his resurrection to stand against darkness and tell it to flee. We need to discern this. We must. P 
People are never our enemy. Jesus died for every single person. Satan is our enemy. And we must stand in maturity and discern this and do war against the spirit behind it. We can't just come to church anymore on Sunday morning. If you come to church, you need to come to get reloaded. We need to walk out of this building in maturity, saying, I am an emissary of the gospel of peace. And I'm going to go into my community, I'm going to go into my family, and I'm going to share the gospel. Because that's the only thing that's going to change. The only leader that's going to change anything sits on a throne and he is not up for election. With that said, let's move on. Spiritual maturity, our third thing is, increases our faith in God. Spiritual maturity increases our faith in God. When we allow, when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to do work in us, and we are submitting to his leading in our life, our faith in God will increase. It's just a matter of fact. We will pray different kinds of prayers. You will stop leaning on your own understanding. When you get a diagnosis from the doctor and they say it's terminal or um, you get a bank statement or a bill and you see it and you're like, oh, this is great. You will start, instead of going to fear and worst case scenario, as you mature in Christ, your faith will increase and you will start going to God. Okay, Lord, this is what the facts are. I have this, but the truth is this. God, you are my healer. You are my provider. You are everything I need. You are El Shaddai. That's what the Bible, he's all encompassing. So we stand on truth. We start taking God at his word. Spiritual maturity allows you to do that. As you mature in Christ, you just start believing him. If God, if you said it, you'll do it. Not in my time, but in your time. I believe that you will grow your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that you will provide for my needs because you said you'll do it. I believe you'll heal my body because you went to the beating post for my healing. I might not have seen my healing yet, but I believe it. I believe it. Spiritual maturity increases our faith in God. Remember, spiritual maturity is a lifelong process, too. There will be seasons of your life where you feel faithful and faith-filled. And you want to take on hell with a squirt gun. And then there will be moments in those seasons where you will feel faithless and unfaithful. They both happen. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit is always working to make you like Jesus, whether you feel it or not. Come on. Also, faith isn't a feeling. It's a conviction. I am convinced. I have a conviction that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he'll do. Whether I feel like it or not, whether I got the Pentecostal tinglys or not, whether... Faith is a conviction. And that conviction grows as you mature. And the last thing I want to hit you with, maybe I shouldn't word it that way. Last thing I want to present to you. I told you guys, I haven't preached in four weeks, man. I have this conviction. Spiritual maturity creates spiritual vitality. You can't just stand by and do nothing. You will not mature in your relationship with God and do less with his gospel. I'm going to repeat that again for those of you who are taking notes. You will not mature in your relationship with God and do less with the gospel. You will find ways to do more with it. Because spiritual maturity creates spiritual vitality.
If you find yourself doing less with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you probably need to check your maturity and vitality. The author here, he says this at the end. He said, we are confident that you are meant for better things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for others. Creates vitality. I have to do something as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that you will hope for what, um, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will become spiritual, you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. The author straight tells us that if we don't want to be spiritually dull and indifferent, we must keep loving others as long as life lasts. You want vitality in you? You want spiritual vitality in you? Keep loving others with the love of Jesus. You want to mature? Keep loving. What Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. When you are maturing in Christ, you have to do what he says. Because you love him. Jesus straight says, if you love me, you will follow my commands. You want to mature in Christ, do what Jesus says. It's not just about the gospel. Maybe he's told you to pray with the neighbor. Maybe he's told you to pray with a, 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 a co-worker or a family member. Maybe he's told you to, to, to call someone on the phone. That's going to take boldness. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's going to take boldness. And can it be awkward? For sure. But if we say we love God, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Spiritual maturity creates spiritual vitality. You can't help but share your faith. You can't help but tell others about Jesus. It can be awkward, but the person that you are supposed to talk to is worth it. Jesus died for them. And listen, it's, it, like, it's not on you to get them past the finish line. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to tell people. Hey, you also don't need to be super spiritual or have to know everything about the Bible. You don't have to have a degree. You just need to have a testimony. What did, how did Jesus save you? What did he do for you? The Holy Spirit will do all the heavy lifting. All of it. Man, I want to share a story from this last Friday at First Friday it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm, 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 I'm going to share it because I want you to see how the Holy Spirit does heavy lifting. Because you don't have to feel anything to do great things for God. You don't have to feel tinglys. You don't have to... I love those moments. Don't get me wrong. I love the presence of God. Don't get me wrong. I love it when I can tangibly feel Him. But you don't have to for God to work. I think part of spiritual maturity is moving past that. And so, this last Friday, honestly, we weren't going to do First Friday. Um, we started talking about it, and um, it just came up in random conversation. And, and Amy, she said, you know, it's going to be a really nice Friday. I was like, oh, man, if it's going to be warm, it would be a great time to pass out water and just love on the community. But I only asked 10 Cottage to do two months. So I was like, well, I just, I'll just have to go talk to him. So I went and talked to him on Wednesday, and they said it was fine. So we set up. And for the first time, there was a table butted right up against us in the same space right in front of Tin Cottage. And, and quite frankly, when I set up our table, I was kind of annoyed because I was like, man, I want to set up this banner. I want, I want, I want people to see this free gift that we have for them. And, 
everything. And I even asked them, could you guys scoot down a little? And they're like, oh, they're not closing tonight. And they couldn't. And so I was fine. I, I wasn't going to let it bother me, but I was kind of annoyed because we didn't have as much space as possible. Um, and it, it's fine. I'm just being real with you. And so um, as the night went on, we were passing out these little cards that said, Jesus loves you, period, end of story. And we were giving people, we were, we were giving out airheads, um, little candies, and we were giving out glow bracelets, and we were giving out water just to love on the community. And I ended up talking to this lady from the United Methodist Church right over here on 7th Street, and she was just like, hey, can you pray for my granddaughter? And I was like, absolutely. So we prayed and we just kept talking, and um, and she said, "Hey, can you pray for our church? Man, there's such division right now in our church, and there's some division going on in that whole denomination where people aren't standing on the word of God anymore." And so I said, "Yeah, let's pray because we're one body, and we need to we need to unite under the name of Jesus." And I prayed for their church, and all this time I'm just talking to her. I'm not feeling spiritual at all. I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the Bible says that right there. You know, I'm just in conversation. And it was a really good conversation. Got to meet a bunch of people from her church. And it, it was just a good conversation. I wasn't even kind of by our table. I was actually in front of the other table. And she walks away. And this young man, probably 16, walks up to me. And he says, sir, can I talk to you real quick? It's like, absolutely, man. And he was manning the other table. He said, I, I just don't know when the, the right time to ask Jesus into my heart is. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I was like, what's your name? And he told me his name. I introduced myself. I said, well, I could tell you this. Right now is the right time. So I shared the gospel with him right there. And I, and I led him to the Lord right there. And, and I told him, I said, dude, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to feel different. You're going to feel different because you put your faith. The Bible says, we who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. And he said, I do. I feel so much different after he, after he accepted the Lord. He, he said, I, I feel so much peace. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel so much better. I feel so much better. He said, I was literally over there shaking when you were talking to that lady and the Lord was just working. Well, he didn't know that what it was. He's like, I didn't know what this was. He said he went to a, a small country Baptist church. He said, I've been listening to the gospel week in and week out. He's like, but I've never felt this before. I was just shaking. I was just shaking, just listening to the conversation. And, and he, I, I, he's like, I just knew I had to talk to you. I didn't feel a single thing. I didn't. I didn't even know that was happening. I say that to say the Holy Spirit did all the heavy lifting. I wasn't even talking to him. I wasn't even talking about the gospel. The seed of the gospel already been planted in his heart. It already been planted in his heart. And all he had to do was just hear. I don't know what he heard, but the Holy Spirit was working when I didn't even know he was working. And Man, I got to walk with him past that, but God got the harvest. What a beautiful thing. And I say all this to say, it's not your job to worry about the harvest. Just share Jesus. Just talk about Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit make you spiritually vital. Don't make excuses anymore. Oh, it's their job, or they can do it. I could bring him to church. Oh, man, please bring him to church. That would be awesome. But share the gospel with them yourself. I'll do it. Don't get me wrong. But you have the same power that rose Jesus from the grave in you. The same Holy Spirit in you. You have a calling on you. The same commission is for you as it is for me. So how do I want to end today? We had an altar call already. I honestly, I want to end with some self, 
examination, and this is a heavy thing. Maybe as we walk through these, these points, spiritual maturity creates spiritual vitality or increases our faith in God or renders discernment, or am I taking responsibility for my own spiritual maturity? I want us to ask, Lord, am I having a discerning heart? Am I taking responsibility for how I'm growing in you? Am I taking you at your word, Lord? You need to examine yourself. That's what the the Bible tells us to do. And then ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. Man, I can't tell you how often I pray that Holy Spirit examine me. Making me a, a clean heart, a pure heart. Make me like Jesus. And just start submitting. Like the altars are going to be open. And then the, the second altar call is this. If you are here and you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's this simple. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to earth as a man and died on a cross in my place for my sin. I believe that on the third day, God raised you from the dead to set me free from sin. Come be Lord of my life. I surrender to you. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, then we are saved. He didn't make it complicated. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to be right up here. My wife is going to be right up here. We want to lead you. Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you, you, you did, but you haven't been walking with him. And you've backslidden. Well, it really is this simple. Just turn around. He's right there. You don't have to dredge through everything. You don't have to go backwards and try to pick up right. You can pick up right where you left off by turning around saying, Jesus, forgive me. I haven't been making you Lord of my life. I, I recommit my life to you. It's that simple. There's no shame. It's this is why we exist. To either grow in Jesus and reach the lost or to reach the lost and grow in Jesus. That's why we exist. So let's stand. I find it's easier to respond if we're standing. If you need prayer, we're going to be up here. If you need to commit your life to Jesus, we're going to be up here. You need to recommit your life to Jesus. We're going to be up here. And if you're like, oh, I'm good. Well, examine yourself. 